This is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. Very good morning to everybody out there. Mike McNamara in for a hump day Wednesday edition of All Marine Radio. And um, All Marine Radio kind of will return to its former self. Obviously, the war in Russia, Ukraine will always take, uh, until it's settled, will take a major role in the program. But I don't think the Daily Ops intel anymore is appropriate. Um... We'll kind of broaden that lens in terms of the guest. So, um, yeah. And today will be a little bit of that as we talk about a letter that uh, General Sheehan, uh, J.J. Sheehan, wrote to uh, the Wall Street Journal. And if you're looking for it, it's entitled, I'll give you the day and if you want to take a look at it, it's entitled Wasteful Spending, A Shrinking Force and the Marine Corps' Big Bet.
so um, at least that's the title that the Wall Street Journal put on it, uh, his letter. He's responding to uh, an opinion piece entitled U.S. Defense After Ukraine that appeared in the Wall Street Journal on March 8th. So, um, so that's interesting. One of the things that um, that he talks about is the military's poor record on predicting uh, the next conflict. And to that end, when in in the discussion you're going to hear that follows this with uh, Will, Tim, Jeff, and I, uh, you're going to hear the Lynn Wells memo referred to. And um, and so I will post that. Uh, but it probably is a good thing that um, that I read Lynn Wells's memo for you um, in light of General Sheehan's uh, email or his letter to the Wall Street Journal. Um, let me see if I can find it. Here it is. Imagine that. Okay. Um, this is written on April 12, 2001 at 10.22 a.m. It's written to the President of the United States from Don Rumsfeld. I know. Uh, and he CCs Richard B. Cheney, the Vice President, and Condoleezza Rice, the National Security Advisor, subject predicting the future. Now again, April 12, 2001. So September 11th has yet to happen. The Secretary of Defense, who will perform horribly right in the years to come, writes this. You will recall that we had Andy Marshall come over and we briefly discussed the, def the defense strategy review and what the future might hold. I ran across this piece on the difficulty of predicting the future written by one of the folks here at the Pentagon, Lynn Wells. I thought you might find it interesting, respectfully. Doesn't sign his name. And so... Um, Lynn Wells, it's, this is, uh, you know, typed out. Thoughts on the 2001 Quadrennial Defense Review, otherwise known as the QDR. If you had been a security policymaker in the world's greatest power in 1900, you would have been a Brit, looking warily at your age-old enemy, France. By 1910, you would be allied with France, and your enemy would be Germany. By 1920, World War I, would have been fought and won, you'd be engaged in a naval arms race with your erstwhile allies, the U.S. and Japan. By 1930, naval arms limitation treaties were in effect, the Great Depression was underway, and the defense planning standard was no war for 10 years. Nine years later, World War II had begun. By 1950, Britain no longer was the world's greatest power. The atomic age had dawned, and a police action was underway in Korea. Ten years later, the political force focus was on the missile gap. The strategic paradigm was shifting from massive retaliation to flexible response, and few people had ever heard of Vietnam. By 1970, the peak of our involvement in Vietnam had come and gone. 
we were beginning detente with the Soviets, and we were anointing the Shah as our protege in the Gulf region. By 1980, the Soviets were in Afghanistan. Iran was in the throes of a revolution. There was talk of our hollow force and a window of vulnerability. And the U.S. was the greatest creditor nation the world had ever seen. By 1990, the Soviet Union was within a year of dissolution. American forces in the desert were on the verge of showing they were anything but hollow. The U.S. had become the greatest debtor nation the world had ever known, and almost no one had heard of the Internet. Ten years later, Warsaw was the capital of a NATO nation. Asymmetric threats transcended geography, and the parallel revolutions of information biotechnology, robotics, nanotechnology, and high-density energy sources foreshadowed changes almost beyond forecasting. All of which is to say that I'm not sure what 2010 will look like, but I'm sure that it will be very little like we expect, so we should plan accordingly. Right. So the wisdom of Lynn Wells' memo. So again, I say that um, so I, I thought I should point that out because you'll hear Lynn, Lynn Wells's memo referenced, and I will put a copy of this in the uh, in the body of, of today's you know presentation, as well as links to General Van Riper's letter and General Sheehan's letter. So um, then General Van Riper wrote a piece uh, entitled. Give me one second so I can read you the title. Uh, jeopardizing national security. What is happening to our Marine Corps? Question mark. And it was published on March 21st at 2.33 p.m. in Marine Corps Times. So you can read that. Um, General Sheehan's uh, piece to the Wall Street Journal was published on March 10th. Um, on March 16th, the commandant of the Marine Corps sat down with David Ignatius of the Washington Post uh, to talk Ukraine and the Marine Corps, right? And um, and he gets asked about Bing West criticism and things like that. So the commandant, um, whether it was already designed or in response to, the commandant is out there talking about force design. So. I will put the links to all three of these uh, pieces uh, here, and you can read what we're talking about. You could go find them right now if you want to. They're not hard to find. So uh, on this Wednesday, uh, interesting stuff, interesting discussion. Um, good morning to you. The United States Marine Corps Band makes this morning official. Good morning. <laughs>
is dedicated to um, everybody that will participate in a public way in this debate about the future of the Marine Corps. And, uh, you know, from the time I was a second lieutenant, I was raised as a Marine officer that you were supposed to speak your mind, right? And uh, all too often personalities get in the way. And, uh, you know, if you're critical of somebody, um, they take it um, extremely personally. I know that um, I've lost friends because of that. And um, and it's it, it always it strikes me odd. My, my dad had his business decisions reviewed every day in the newspaper, and it's it, it strikes me as humorous sometimes, um, and sad sad at other times, that you know people that rise to such prominent positions in the nation, not on a bullshit baseball team in the nations, take criticism so personally. Dude, you were the commandant of the Marine Corps. Suck it the fuck up, man. Or, dude, you were a MEF commander. Dude, you were a division commander. You were the division sergeant major. But nobody can criticize you. And if you and if they do, you get all like crazy and, you know. So, what I hope is that, you know. This debate's going to take place in public now, and it should, because there's a lot of people who have grave concern for the future of the Marine Corps, and this thing is simmered underneath the surface for a while, and I think people feel like they got ignored, and so I hope this um, discussion gets its day in court, and I hope that people rise to the occasion, and I hope the Marine Corps finds itself in a better position on the backside of this. So this is to that end. say what you think and you don't say it honestly and bluntly what keeps you awake at night nothing i keep other people awake at night for this campus had prepared him well <clears throat> i'm very confident that thank you very much 
<laughs> if this was vodka, it'd be a lot better speech. <clears throat> but I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore. So young folks, you ignore what I just said. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day. And Sergeant Major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't we don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We gotta do what these Marines did here 75 years ago. Persevere against difficult, challenging conditions and odds and win. You gotta win. Time to check the weather in Marineland. Currently in Quantico, it is cloudy at 55. Marine Corps Air Station Cherry Point, it is partly sunny in 73. 29 Palms, sunny in 65 already. That means it's going to be warm on the West Coast. Pendleton, sunny in 68. That ain't right. I can tell you that right now. Somebody wake the temperature people up at Pendleton and tell them to get their shit together. Camp Smith in Hawaii, dark, cloudy, and 71. In Okinawa, it is dark, cloudy, and 64. In Darwin, dark, cloudy, 82. So they've recovered from the cold wave that sent them into the 70s last night. In Keith, late in the day, it is sunny in 59. So spring has sprung in Ukraine, which is bad news if you're trying to gain tactical mobility there, with especially with armored vehicles. Currently at the home of All Marine Radio, the Costa Mesa Newport Beach area of beautiful Southern California. It is fair, whatever the fuck that means, and 59 degrees. Looking for a high today of 84. Yeah, that's 84 for those of you listening in SAP. With an overnight low of 56. How about that? Nice. Tomorrow, 77. Friday, 74. Saturday, 73. Sunday, 69. With a eh, not so much chance of rain. So that is a that is a look at your weather this morning, and uh, let me just do some news headlines, and we'll pretty quickly go to Afghanistan, Afghanistan, uh, Ukraine, and uh, and then you'll hear. A, uh, I think you're going to find a pretty interesting discussion this morning um, from Will to Majuff, um, and and you know you're going to hear me summon Timmy. And uh, Timmy's the son of a two-star general, so he understands the workings of the Alumni Association better than the rest of us. And so, anyway, so uh, interesting. Top story uh, this morning in Stars and Stripes is... What just happened? I don't know. Something did, though. 
uh, Army Combat Fitness Test test launches April 1st with scoring based on a soldier's age and gender. This has been a absolute like carnival in the Army, their fitness test. This is the number one story. Right? The new version follows an initial effort three years ago to make the test gender neutral, which Iran Corporation report found caused women and members of the National Guard and Reserve to fail the test at higher rates. Yeah, good luck on that. Um, yeah, we keep trying to say that women and men are the same and have a single standard. It just doesn't work very well, right? That's because they're not the same, right? There's a reason we have a WNBA and an NBA because if we had just an NBA and said, okay, everybody's going to try out for the same team, guess who wouldn't be on the team? Women, right? That's why they have right separate athletics because they're different. But we refuse to admit that in the DOD. Sorry. That's right. Um, so that really top story in Stars and Stripes. Wall Street Journal. Ukraine humanitarian crisis worsens. Biden goes to Europe. United Nations chief calls war unwinnable, decries Russian assault on devastated port city of Mariupol. Subheadline: Biden allies aim to project united front against Russia at a NATO meeting. Uh, latest updates. NATO expects to provide support against chemical and nuclear threats. Uh, next subheadline. Russia's energy industry is starting to feel the bite of sanctions. And the Russian stock market is going to partially reopen today. Another interesting headline. Many businesses are quitting Russia. Big French firms are staying put. Interesting. All right. Top headlines in New York Times today are NATO plans to ramp up forces on eastern flank. You think? Uh, next headline. Biden heads to Europe and will push for more sanctions on Russia. Next headline. As Russia's, as Russia's military losses mount in Ukraine, dissent is brewing over President Vladimir Putin's leadership. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, from the Washington Post, their top headlines. I mean, I have a couple interesting little things that people have sent me. Uh, one that somebody serving in uh, serving in the American military in Eastern Europe sent me Biden to announce uh, Washington Post. Biden to announce new sanctions during Europe trip. Pentagon confirms signs that Ukrainian forces trying to go on the offensive. Interesting. Putin plans to attend the G20 summit despite calls to exclude him. What a joke, right? What a joke. So, um, 
that the Washington Post and USNI News. Top story is new video show Russian Navy firing eight naval cruise missiles from the Black Sea. Pentagon acquisition chief nominee argues the Navy needs a larger, more survivable fleet, whatever that means. The um, Interestingly enough, you see more and more articles written just generally about the level of spending relative to the nation's <clears throat> gross domestic product, right? And, um, you know, we were at, what, 9% post-World War II, <clears throat> then went to 6%, and what are we now, between 2 and 3? So that'll be an interesting discussion uh, in light of the events in Ukraine and the looming Chinese um, confrontation that looms in the West. Top story in uh, Marine Corps Times is Boston bouncer charged with fatally stabbing Marine veteran. The Marine had been visiting friends in Boston on St. Patrick's Day. Next headline, Biden, Russia is mulling cyber attacks on the United States. And the next headline is um, General Van Riper's um, opinion piece, jeopardizing national security, what is happening to our Marine Corps, question mark. Um, <clears throat> that in the news. Top five stories in Early Bird, and then we'll do operational headlines, and I'll give you a couple little tidbits, and then you'll hear our conversation about uh, about General Sheehan, about uh, General Van Riper. An independent, number one, an independent commission will review the military's suicide prevention efforts. Now, this would, this should consume me. Despite more than a decade's worth of effort to prevent suicides among service members, the numbers continue to rise, including a 16% jump during 2020. To get a better idea of the scope of the issue, Congress mandated an independent review commission in 2022 in the 2022 National Defense Authorization Act. And on Tuesday, the Pentagon announced it would begin getting it off the ground. The question is, are the same people interesting quote the commission will study suicide prevention and behavioral health programs across the services including site visits focus groups interviews and confidential surveys to troops at every location visited much in the same way the independent review commission on sexual assault went about its mandate last year he's seen enough to know that we've got to do something different, that we've got to try to take additional, more creative action here, Pentagon spokesman John Kirby said of the Secretary of Defense's concern. The first nine bases are on the list are Joint Base Elmendorf-Richardson in Alaska. I would be, I've been there. Fort Wainwright in Alaska. Eielson Air Force Base in Alaska. Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. Haven't been there for a couple years. Well, no, I have been there, right? Not for the division, though. They don't speak to me anymore. Nellis Air Force Base in Nevada, Naval Air Station North Island in California, Camp Humphreys in South Korea, and the North Carolina National Guard. So anyway, 
Yeah, you could call me, 714-910-4419. I'd be happy to help. Um, Next headline, armored brigade workload may dramatically increase if Ukrainian crisis holds. Next headline, Russia's alleged use of first hypersonic missile in combat downplayed by U.S. militaries and allies. So... Russia's defense ministry claimed it used first hypersonic missile. Despite those past arguments, senior leaders are downplaying the significance of the alleged Russian missile launches in Ukraine, claiming they can't confirm Russia's claims of their use and saying that even if they were deployed, they'd likely have little impact and shouldn't be a concern for the U.S. military. Okay. Again, um, hypersonic missiles. A, got to use them against fixed targets. If it's a dynamic target, you got to be able to locate it and continually track it. So I think it's, um, again, if you want to shoot the face off Mount Rushmore, go ahead. Right? You want to shoot something that's dynamic? Good luck. Because we're going to poke everybody's eyes out and it's not going to be able to see. Next. Displaced military families back in homes, but support continues in Hawaii over their water crisis. So that's been in the news for the last couple of months. U.S. Navy's U.S. Navy considers alternative to unmanned boats and missiles. Hmm. Written by Megan Exine. The U.S. Navy has nearly done assessing whether to put missile tubes on unmanned surface vessels comparing the idea to other options for getting missile launchers out to sea. The study will compare the Navy's preferred plan, a large unmanned surface vessel outfitted with vertical launching system tubes that can fire strike missiles or other options. Or, or other options, what does that mean? Nuclear weapons? Is that what other options means? Normally, cryptic phrases like that normally mean shit like that. Four categories of option being considered are modifying ex- existing naval ship designs, such as amphibious ships, expeditionary fast transports, expeditionary sea bases, modifying commercial vessel designs, such as container ships and bulk containers, creating a new naval ship design, oh, God forbid, or creating a new commercial ship design. So there you have it. That's what's being contemplated by your American Navy. Yeah, so maybe in 30 years, well over budget and delivering half of what they said they would deliver and delivering it not on time, there you have it. Forgive me for being jaded, but that's the way they do it. Overseas operational headlines. Um, No civilian casualties in AFRICOM's latest quarterly report. So you got that going for you. Russia Air Force action increases despite flood of anti-aircraft missiles into Ukraine. New video shows Russian Navy, Navy firing eight naval cruise missiles from the Black Sea. The U.S. should not be deterred by Putin, should send aircraft to the Ukraine, according to a former NATO commander. Who's the former NATO commander that says that? Russia's combat forces have shrunk, according to the Pentagon. 
So they're below 90% in Ukraine. Um, let's see. Retired Air Force General Philip Breedlove was NATO's Supreme Allied Commander. He's the one that says that. So, okay. Uh, let me go through with you some uh, latest stuff out from Ukraine. Uh, fighting. Oh, hold on. Let me get to the latest. Yes. So these are headlines. Uh, and let me tell you, Al Jazeera's got the best website. Uh, the headline at the top, Russia-Ukraine live news updates, NATO to boost Ukraine support. Military alliance prepares for Thursday summit as fears mount that Moscow may escalate the offensive. Um, ahead of Thursday's emergency meeting, NATO warns Russia against using chemical weapons in Ukraine and pledges extra support for Kyiv, including cybersecurity assistance and equipment. President Joe Biden leaves the United States for Europe to attend the NATO summit and other meetings. Kyiv and Moscow agree deal to set up nine humanitarian corridors. The agreement does not cover the besieged southeastern port city of Maripol, but includes routes from Luhansk, where a ceasefire has been announced. Pretty good. I, I tell you, the best map in terms of graphically. Um, uh, we talked about the uh, French, you know, continuing to do business in um French continuing to do business um, in Russia. President Zelensky urges French firms to stop sponsoring the Russian war machine. All right, so um, according to, so this is a summary on the fighting. Russia has failed to achieve its objectives in the Ukraine, according to the United States. Uh, here's another article about Russia, Ukraine, how the war will end. So, relentless bombardment of Maripol as it's being bombed into ashes of a dead land, said a council member of the besieged port city in southeastern Ukraine after it refused to surrender. Ukraine's government urged Russia to allow the evacuation of at least 100,000 civilians who want to leave Maripol. While well, the military warned Ukrainians nationwide of more indiscriminate Russian shelling. A United States defense official told reporters that Russia's combat power has declined below 90% of its pre-invasion levels for the first time since its assault on Ukraine began. Uh, sanctions is another heading. Russian companies have been having problems paying their debt holders due to existing sanctions. The U.S. and its Western allies are assessing that Russia should remain within the group of 20, are assessing whether Russia should remain within the, the group of G20 nations. A second super yacht linked to Roman Abramovich docked in a Turkish resort Sources said that he and other wealthy Russians were looking to invest in Turkey given sanctions elsewhere. According to, and this is under weapons. Russia, the U.S., and the United Kingdom traded accusations over the possibility of a chemical weapons attack in Ukraine, but none produced evidence to back their concerns. 
the Kremlin said it would only use nuclear weapons in the case of an existential threat to Russia. Information war. A Russian newspaper accused hackers of planning fake news on the website after a report briefly appeared saying that nearly 10,000 Russian soldiers had been killed in Ukraine. Diplomacy. The United Nations General Assembly is expected to vote again this week on a motion criticizing Russia for its humanitarian crisis, for the humanitarian crisis in Ukraine. Next, the European Union on Wednesday is due to set out plans on how it will provide jobs, education, and housing for refugees. The refugee thing is only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So those are headlines from uh, from Al Jazeera. The... Um, the refugee thing, 2.1 million into Poland, a half a million into Romania, 368,000 in Moldova, 317,000 in Hungary, 253,000 in Slovakia, 252,000 into Russia, mostly in the Donbass area. The, um, and I'll just give you a couple live updates from this morning. Uh, this is from De Jack Dash. Russian forces are trying to go around the Mykolaiv in an offensive towards the port city of Odessa. That's according to UK uh, intelligence. UK, the Ukrainian forces have repeatedly repulsed forces advancing on Mykolaiv and now able and willing to take back territory seized by Russia, according to U.S. officials. So again, in the last week, um, we've seen like notional reporting of, region, of localized counterattacks. Um, this just in within the last hour, Russian government official Anatoly Chubias has stepped down and left the country, citing his opposition to Putin's war in Ukraine Sources tell Bloomberg News. He is the highest level official to break with the Kremlin over the invasion. What did Anatoly Chubias do? I'm not exactly sure. He is Vladimir Putin's climate envoy. Well, there you go. What's going to happen at this NATO meeting? Right, uh, Jens Stoltenberg, right, who the head of NATO, says he expects the alliance to agree to one number one, four new NATO battle groups in Bulgaria, Hungary, Romania, and Slovakia, major increase in forces in east, in the eastern part of the alliance, cybersecurity support and equipment to help protect against chemical, nuclear, and biological threats. Um, interesting report. Um, Ukrainian newspapers cite Russian sources. Russian Defense Minister Sergei Soigu has disappeared from public view since March 11th, reportedly with heart problems. <laughs> yeah. Um, so again, that's a look at the news. I, I want to share something with you that somebody from that's that's. Somebody who I know, who's uh, who's working in Eastern Europe, uh, sent me, and I'll just 
he essentially says that he believes, and he uses the example of the 41st Army has lost two corps commanders. Can you imagine their morale? They are over 75, over 70% conscripts. I am telling you, they will surrender en masse as casualties have been high and are continuing to run high. I read that, I was like, holy shit. His assertion is NATO has to create the circumstances and then whether it's leaf drop or whatever they have to do to get the information to the Russians, right? Surrender. You'll not be a prisoner of war. You will be a political prisoner. We will, re, we, we will do everything we can do to reunite you with your family and make you safe. You don't need to die for this, fool, this fool's errand. And I read that, I was like, holy shit. Right? Now, again, that's from somebody who's there. Um, somebody else sent me this, um, and this was written 16 hours ago. The headline is, Russian armies, Russian, Russian armies fail. No surprise to CIA official who battled it in Afghanistan. Quote, their equipment sucked, said Milton Bearden, a CIA station chief in Pakistan during the most vigorous chapters of the agency's proxy war against Soviet forces in Afghanistan in the mid to late 80s. The Red Army's medical kits included glass bottles that might have been holdovers from World War II. Instead of the plastic files used by Americans and other contemporary militaries, kits captured by the Afghan guerrilla were bags of broken glass and liquid, he said. They could get a rocket going, but they can't make a ballpoint pen. That little ball bearing at the end of the pen, they couldn't make those. Right? And, and the article goes on. Um, you can find it. Uh, it's, uh, the website's called Spy Talk. Interesting stuff I get sent by credible people, so I thought I would mention it. All right. Um, what you're going to hear next, though, is uh, a discussion, uh, kind of a departure from what we've been talking about, and that is the war in Ukraine. Um, and in a very public way, um, I think we've seen uh, as Marines and, and people who follow this discussion about Force Design 2030, we've seen a discussion that we've never seen happen in public in that began uh, when you know General Sheehan wrote an article to the wrote an opinion piece to the Wall Street Journal, a letter to the Wall Street Journal, and so um, you're going to hear a discussion now with Will, Tim, Jeff, and I uh, about um, seeing something like that, and then having it followed up by um, Lieutenant General Paul K. Van Riper who wrote something that appeared uh, within the last 48 hours in Marine Corps Times. And so, um, here you go. Joining me on this Wednesday um, from, I don't know where Jeff is. I'm he's in been, Vegas. He's, okay, he just said he's in Vegas. So he's at the Eastern White House. Jeff Kenny joins me. So Jeffrey, uh, that's what his mother calls him. So when I'm 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 summoning his better angels. I, I call him Jeffrey. Jeffrey, how are you? Welcome to good. All Marine All Marine Radio. I'm good, thank you. I'm good to go. I'm uh, I got uh, we had this uh, retirement for this guy. We had a bunch of folks from the past, 
from our service in Iraq. And uh, I have one left. I'm taking to the airport tomorrow. And tomorrow night I'm going to the airport and heading back to San Clemente to go to work. As it should be. As it should be. This this guy's extremely handy. He was a handy guy in Iraq, super handy, super brave, super tough. And he's, Lori's got him fixing fans and stuff here in the house now. So he's still going good. He's probably regretting he got here. But yeah. And he's still handy. Uh, Joining me from uh, McAllen, Texas, Tim Lynch. Tim, how are you? Doing great, Matt. How about yourself? I'm all right. I'm all right. Uh, Anything? Massive. Massive kettle out 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 in the backyard about an hour ago. Massive. So, yeah. have you come back down to earth from that experience? Are you okay to do this, or do we need to give you a little Timmy time to compose yourself after seeing such a massive kettle? No, no. I, I I'm just communing with nature. I'm just I'm just a little bit probably more connected than you are, my friend. And uh, this is the uh, this is the beauty of living in tropical Texas. You can. Be more connected to your natural environment. <laughs> the first time I ever heard that term, tropical Texas. That's right. That's right. That's like yeah, man. It's the RGV. You bet. That's man. exactly right. That's exactly right. We got the tropical birds. The, we got the tropical plants. <laughs> birds. The yeah. RGV. Nice. I like that. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a gang thing, right? The RGV. Yeah. And joining mm-hmm. us from. Uh, the greater Kansas City area is Will Costantini. William, how are you? I'm actually great. And uh, I would just put out to all the, I think we're up to 22 <laughs> listeners. When you get hit by hay fever, Claritin plus Flonase. I was on my deathbed for five days and took the Flonase today. And I'm like, I'm at 98% on one dose. Oh, yeah. What is wow. what is Flonase? It sounds like you some kind of shoot it up your nose. Oh, yeah, it's it's anti snot medication. But I tell you what, it's magic. So really, yeah. Do you think you'll be able to sleep though? Uh, yeah, because I took it at like noon. I was a little bit hyped up earlier in the afternoon, but I think I'm all right now. Hmm. Claritin Flonase. Claritin by pill, Flonase up your nose, good to go. Does it all come in the same package? No, 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 no. Two different? Nothing quite, co- yeah, two different things. Oh, Claritin. Yeah, and, I, and I actually had to floating. talk to the pharmacist because I wasn't sure I was going to poison myself. But I told her, I got to find something that works or I am just going to poison myself <laughs> and put it out of my misery. Said, no, no, you can do both. So, all right. All right. All right. All right. Well, let us know if you see Elizabeth. Um, <laughs> and stay away from the light, okay? Run away from the light. Don't go to the light. Just words of advice. Um, I wanted to have you guys all on because um, in the last, what, week, 10 days, there's been a couple of letters written publicly. Um, Bing West wrote something, but, you know, Bing West is uh, never rose to the rank of general officer of the Marine Corps. And in the last 10 days, I think you've seen uh, General Sheehan write something, and you've also seen uh, in the last 48 hours General Van, R- Lieutenant General Paul K. Van Riper, um, who, who I think we would all say is one of the smartest Marines you know we've ever been around, and um, he published something. Both of them essentially call out the Commandant in a very public way 
Now, we've talked about this issue of Force Design 2030 and the fact that no general officer that's part of the Alumni Association has endorsed it. But they've done that on the down low, right, since General Berger became the commandant. What you're seeing now, um, dare I say, is unprecedented, and that is uh, the General Officer Alumni Association, should I say, declaring war on the commandant and saying we're not having this anymore and we're going to go public, we're going to go very public, and we're going to fight this thing. And, and, and I think if, if they're to be believed, you, the fight will be uh, in Congress right? The fight will be over who the next commandant is, and they will weigh in in a big way because some of these guys, I mean, they go back, what, four decades, you know, five decades uh, with members of Congress testifying and advising and things like that. So I wanted, right. to, get, I wanted to get your advice. And so what I did was I sent uh, Will, Tim, and Jeff uh, three separate pieces. One is um, the piece that General Sheehan wrote, um, uh, separate and apart is a piece that, uh, and th these are both opinion pieces that General Van Riper wrote, um, and uh, both are very short. I don't know how many words I should do a word count on each of them, but they're they're very short pieces. And then they're pithy. Yeah, and then General uh, General Berger, the Commandant, um, uh, did a thing with uh, David Ignatius where. Uh, uh, David Ignatius of the you know Washington Post fame, he uh, he he asked General Berger about the uh, first about the fighting in uh, Russia in in Ukraine and uh, his thoughts on that, and then they turned to uh, the elements of force design 2030, and General Berger waxes eloquent about that. So General Berger out and about um, defending what what he what he's done. So I I, I want to get your uh, your guys' thoughts about it. So, uh, Jeff, we'll start with you. Um, okay. Uh, pretty unprecedented stuff uh, that that we're seeing now. This thing happened in a public way. Absolutely. First of all, Colonel Sheehan um, was my regimental commander when I first got to Eighth Marines in '88 as a second lieutenant, and he was known for being exacting, and I mean small detail stuff, much like General Van Riper later, but also very smart and highly decorated Vietnam uh, company commander, as was General Van Riper. So both of them had um, bona fides that went beyond their education, which was very high, also their practical experience. In addition, you know, the, the main message that, they, that comes across to me from both of them, you know, even though they're very eloquent and pithy, I mean, their stuff is short and to the point, which is the hallmark of the best stuff. Like the, the Gettysburg Address took Abraham Lincoln like a minute and a half to give. The guy before him was an hour and a half, and the guy after was like 45 minutes. Because he said the truth succinctly and, you know, and, and uh, eloquently. And that's how those guys talk. But here's the thing that really leaps out at me. When I got to um, Fifth Marines as a sergeant, we were transitioning from the new snazzy, Wired guy the anti-tank weapons from the 106, which was our main anti-tank weapon in the battalion. We still had the 106, which was a good weapon. And not just for anti-tank stuff. It was very versatile. It was heavy, though. It was heavy and hard to move around. It was an art form in itself to, to employ it. 
like so many of our weapon systems are. You had to have technical and tactical expertise. And people didn't want to let that go, particularly because these wire guy things, as effective as they were, most Marines, many Marines who had that MOS never even got to shoot a real missile. And those who did got maybe one, if they're lucky, two in their whole career. And that went on for like a decade almost. But those weapons were very effective. They had been tried and true in 1972 offensive uh, that the North Vietnamese did against the South Vietnamese. And uh, I remember uh, when we were in 8th Marines, Will and I had our, our regimental commanders, Ray Smith, after after um, Sheehan, he gave a PME on it, and they talked about the toe and the and the uh, dragon and how what world beaters they were. And the lesson that came to them is twofold. Don't get rid of something good until you got something to replace it. Don't get rid of something good to have something to replace it. And uh, and we did have something to replace it. We had those wire guy things, which were devastating. But they had their drawbacks too. And so, how you how you make up for drawbacks that you have in weapon systems is tactics. Is your tactics? Is your art form of fighting? You know, how we fight. And uh, and the thing that's missing in the force design that these guys kind of point out, and they don't even say it like this, but they but they bring it out, is that um, there's some things that are just a given. Well, now that we have, and and in the, the, the interview that you, with Dave Ignatius that you referenced, Mac, Commandant talks about, well, now we have these, uh, these anti-tank weapons that hit the uh, enemy vehicles from the top. If there's any lesson, if there's any lesson from the, from the transition to you know, the bazooka to the 106 to the to the dragon and the toe to the to the uh, you know to the uh, the weapons that we got now is that uh, for every measure there's a countermeasure there's a countermeasure I remember you know the, the Soviets come up with reactive armor and that kind of how are we going to deal with this now and how you deal with it is tactics but when you just get rid of stuff without anything to replace you're in all these tanks all these other all this tube artillery these grunt battalions and there's nothing to replace it and yet we're supposed to believe that we can still answer DOD's call when it when it comes for emergencies that might pop up just doesn't pass the smell test and that's what these guys are pointing out a lot more eloquently eloquently than I am to me that's what it is Tim your thoughts well, you know, starting with uh, General Van Riper's letter at the very end of it, his last sentence is, Marines, how can we let this happen? And as we've discussed for the last couple of years, uh, General Van Riper has been very active in trying to prevent this from happening. And so he's gone from, and we've reviewed his writings before, he's been very, as the general officers tend to be, circumspect in his direct criticism. Actually, his more recent uh, endeavors getting very close, but now he's He's at that at that point of acceptance in the uh, uh, what is it the stages of grief? I mean, he's now at the acceptance because the damage has been done. the 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 lesson he was talking about was we were we were raised to believe that the purpose of the Marine Corps was to close with and destroy the enemy. The primacy of infantry never questioned. Everything geared towards making us successful. And we were all about closing and destroying the enemy because when you close with and destroy your enemy quickly, 
you limit the duration of the conflict, limit the bloodshed to innocent civilians, to the enemy, to yourself, et cetera, et cetera. We've, we've always stressed that, always. In Grenada, we were so good, it, was, it worked out so well, we had to not talk about it, at least we embarrassed the other services. That's how successful it's been in the past. So what he's lamenting is, is the destruction of something that was very special. And when we progress on to talk about the Commandant's interview, um, I, I, I will address uh, specifics in that in that particular segment. But these are these are like like Jeff said, short, pithy, to the point. And the point is, uh, I think to to, care, to paraphrase, well, we're doomed. That's the point. What about now, Timmy? Timmy's pedigree. We don't often talk about Tim's pedigree, <clears throat> um, but he oh, is. Doc Lynch. <laughs> oh, Doc Lynch. He oh, is. Doc. He is the son of. A general officer. Well, so, before we get there, think of all the physicals that he did inspecting various body parts of recruits all in the Navy. And you know what we thought of the average corpsman out there. So we'll just leave that. We, we loved them. We loved them. But, I mean, so, Tim, you've grown up. I mean, your dad, retired <laughs> general officer. And, um, I mean, how shocking is it to see I mean, and, 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 and so what I want to do is I just want people to understand how unique this is that you would see general officers of the three and four star ver variety standing up and taking on the commandant in such a direct way in public. Um, well, you want to speak? Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, the, the Marine Corps is a very, very tight uh, a gun club and our ethos is to keep our disagreements in-house. Never, never air an inter, uh, intramural laundry out for the general public to see. That's that is that's completely against our ethos. The generals, and 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 my father was part of this. I, I mean, we've commented. I know Jeff has seen some of the articles my dad's written to the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. He's been part of this constant barrage of there's a mistake being made. But it would appear to me that the 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 people who needed to look at this in Congress, in the uh, Secretary of the Navy's office, they don't give a shit. Um, and, and so here we are. And, and where we are right now is, 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 in my mind, appalling, quite frankly. Yeah, and like I said, so we got, we got but, to just to make, just remember, if you remember, Timmy's dad wrote a letter that he made privy to us on, on the, that we would keep quiet. And it was a letter about when General Krulak was selected as commandant. The first line of the letter was, I'm whelmed by this, but not overwhelmed. And he went on to talk about, he basically gave us like a history of how people became commandants since General Shoup. Oh, that was back, yeah, it was back when we were all on active duty. I remember that. Yeah, it was back in, yeah. in the 90s. And it was yeah. very good. And it was very professional. And uh, he just kept our mouth shut. But, and he asked us to, you know, because, uh, but it was, uh, it was so well done. And it gave you kind of an insight. Yeah, as to how the how these people are picked, but at the same time, um, there's no way Tim's dad was going to come out in public and talk that way because, you know, of the ethos. But 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 what's happened, I think, Mac, as you've pointed out, is that uh, the ethos is being tested because of the uh, of the urgency and the danger that people, you know, who used to wear stars on active duty are feeling about the current situation so in this and before real comments so so I, this is what the point i want to drive home to people um so since 
General Berger became the commandant, there's been this discussion. The alumni has now clicked off. So I don't know what's transpired, whether they as a group have, I don't know, you know, what they do to correspond and, or if they do at all. But they seem to have concluded that now is the time that they have to make their criticism uh, very, very, very public and very, and very blunt, very succinct, which is stunning to watch. I, th I think, and so I don't. What has happened to precipitate this? I don't know, but it seems to me that that's where they're at. Uh, you've seen, you know, General Sheehan and now General Van Riper um, in very, very public ways, and and I don't believe that's the end of this. I think that 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 they are the beginning of this, and you'll you will see more of it. And uh, but it's just again, what an unprecedented thing, and so that's why I wanted to summon Timmy's pedigree. Um, to uh, <laughs> no, just it, 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 my my dad was just your average two star general, but but to give you an idea of how we we retired Marine Corps officers feel about our institution is exactly like Jeff said. At the time he wrote that he was of course on active duty, but it was but he felt it was his duty to educate what he thought were the up and comers that would be you guys, not necessarily me, but uh, um and. Uh, you know, that's just a typical Marine, that's a typical, not even worthy of comment kind of thing that show you what we've lost because what we've already lost may be irreplaceable, maybe. Well, your dad was not the typical two-star because he looked me dead in the eye and called me fraud man. That shit was funny, man. And he <laughs> that did, was funny. No, I thought I was getting over, man. That was fun. <laughs> hey, you're recruiter of the year, bro. You you yeah. recruiter of the year. You, you yes. get the you get the appellations. There you you're go. Right. Will your thoughts on on this generally? Yeah, I think uh, it's. I, I can't disagree with anything that, uh, particularly General Van Riper, said. You know, I I I think I've said on a program before. I'm not sure I really understand what the comment the commandants strategy is in the actual force development and the strategy to attain it. And I'm willing to admit that. But General Van Riper pretty well lays out the case in many fewer words than it would have taken me to do it. I mean, a couple things are interesting to me. Um, Sheehan writes for the Wall Street Journal, you know, highbrow. Van Riper sends a letter to the Marine Corps Times. That's meant for <laughs> wide distribution. Yeah, right? yeah, That'll be in the commissary and the exchange this week. And a lot of people are going to see that. And and that's, I think, part of the messaging as well. He's talking to uh, all Marines. You know, what's the what's the average rank of the readership of the Marine Corps Times? It's, uh, it's down there, you know, that's not typically circulated at the GEO level. Um, a couple things about it uh, come to mind. You know, we talk about unprecedented. Um, Two things. One, when uh, General Amos came in and we did the uh, force structure review group, so that's that came in uh, 2010 and took the Marine Corps from about 206,000 active down to about 180,000 active. And, you know, one of General Amos's strategies was to get the alumni on board because um, we were going to cut some units, cut some infantry battalions, cut some squadrons. 
Uh, and he took that briefing and he went to every retired commandant, went to them and gave them that brief. Then he had what they called the uh, res, uh, retired general officer symposium. So there's a general officer symposium every year. Uh, so all the generals get together and have a party and get tuned up by the commandant. But the whole time I was up there in the building, that was the only time that the retired general officer symposium was ever called in. And one of the reasons was he wanted to give that brief to show them this is what we're doing at the Marine Corps. This is why we're doing it. Uh, and I'll tell you, it was a very tight, well thought out plan. Um, and so he made an effort to go out and give that brief. Um, the interesting thing I would say is that brief was, it was completely defensible. I could have given it to the average field grade officer and read the product and they would have been able to turn around and give the brief themselves in almost no time. It was easily understood. You could see the assumptions behind it. You saw the necessity we had built up big during the war in a very bloated and unstructured way. Uh, this thing was war game very thoroughly against war plans uh, to show how different units would come online, how MAGTAS would fit together. So uh, I don't remember a lot of pushback from people in the Alumni Association about it. Uh, I think that contrasts to, to the current situation. And, th and then the other thing I would say is I remember very well when uh, the Obama administration was going to ram through the gays in the military. And uh, there was a service chiefs panel that was called in, I believe, the Senate Armed Services Committee. Um, and it was pretty well known that General Amos was against this. Um, I can't remember, I believe, uh, one of the other service chiefs had come out somewhat in favor, tepidly, and then the other two had not really made their views really known. And uh, so at the service chiefs panel, the vice chairman sat on the panel right in the middle of it. The vice chairman had to be, happened to be a guy named Cartwright, Marine four-star. Uh, and he was the first witness they called on, and he was all in favor of gays in the military. And I thought to myself then, what the fuck? That it was absolutely unbelievable to me. First, it's a service chiefs panel. The vice chairman has no role in there. But the administration knew that they were, you know, in a little bit of trouble with this, and they wanted to show that the military was in favor of it, and it wasn't just some social experiment being foisted upon them. So they got their boy in there to do it. Um, but the idea that an active duty four-star general would sit next to his commandant and directly contradict what he was going to say was unfathomable to me. And then I fast forward to when um, General Dunford turned over the commandancy to General Neller. And I can't quote it exactly, um, but he absolutely referred to General Neller, even though he was going out to be the chairman, as his commandant. He was making the point that when it came to the Marine Corps, 
there's only one commandant, there's one boss, and we follow them. So that's the strength of that process. Um, and so for, for two, you know, there's a few giants out there, right? Zinni is one of them. I think Dunford's one of them. Uh, Van Riper's one of them. Sheehan, although relatively quiet, I would say over the years, he's definitely one of them. He was a giant in his time. Um, I think General Jones is another one who's got great stature, mm-hmm. uh, having been a four-star for eight years, to include Sakur, and then be the uh, National Security Advisor for President Obama. He's another giant. Um, and I think you got to give Al Gray and Krulak they're the giants that are out there as well because of what they did to fundamentally sort of change the Marine Corps in a positive way. Um, but to think that two of those giants are out in public, um, my suspicion is that that those letters or those articles that were published likely were circulated amongst a relatively small group of those giants um, before uh, they went out there, I, I don't have facts to base back that up, but I just suspect. And I think and you're that's a little bit a too, big deal. You might be a little bit too easy on who's a giant. Let me ask you okay. something. Well, well hold, on, hold, on, hold 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 on. I, I don't want to, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole yet, Jeff. We'll, we'll get there, okay? If you don't mind, yeah. let, let me just, I just want to. Um, are you done, Will? I don't think of them that way. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. All right. None of them. Okay. Um, the um, <laughs> I, I, I want to throw out a couple things um, that, that General Van Riper wrote. 66 years later, I still consider myself a United States Marine. But right. I'm saddened beyond belief knowing that our Marine Corps soon will no longer be the ready combined arms force that our nation has long depended upon when its interests were threatened. It will be a force shorn of all of its tanks, 76% of its cannon artillery, and with 41% fewer Marines in infantry battalions. That's stunning. 41% fewer Marines in in infantry battalions. To make the situation even worse, there will be 33% fewer aircraft available to support riflemen on the ground. So the Marine Corps will trade its combined arms flexibility and I skipped down a little bit, for a very specialized mission that the U.S. Army already can provide in greater numbers than the Marine Corps ever will. Moreover, for as long as eight years, the Marine Corps will be neither the powerful forcible entry force in readiness it has been for decades, nor the specialized anti-ship force of the future. Neither fish nor fowl, which will seriously jeopardize national security. This is a risk not worth taking. And then he ends with this. Uh, the Corps will become something unrecognizable to those legions of Marines who went before. No longer will it be the Corps I served and loved for so many years, but a mere shadow of what it once was, a feared fighting force, exclamation mark. Marines, how could we let this happen, question mark. And that's how the article ends. Uh, so I, w- I wanted to read that. So for those of you who have, who have not um, heard it, one of the things that General Sheehan writes in his letter uh, to the Wall Street Journal is uh, the, his first sentence. 
The Marines may be, quote, the only branch adapting faster, fast for the future. And then he cites the, the, uh, the piece, the opinion piece that, that came out of in the Wall Street Journal. But what future and how wisely, question mark, the military's poor record of predicting the next war urges maintaining flexibility. So I, I wanted to read that. <clears throat> and then his last paragraph says this, these initiative, initiatives risk turning the Marine Corps into a niche force optimized for one conflict that is unlikely to occur while hobbling its ability to meet security challenges that are certain. This is not what the nation needs nor expects from its Marine Corps. So that's General Sheehan. Um, and so, we, again, when you see them in very pointed ways say those kind of things, now in public, um, literally, it's, uh, I don't know that it's ever happened. So, I mean, that's how significant this is. And again, this, this discussion has gone on um, in very quiet places for a long time, for the last couple of years. Uh, again, and you, we've noted here, not one retired general officer has come out endorsing the Commandant's Force Design 2030. Uh, that doesn't mean there's elements of it that they're not sympathetic to, right? But it means that, you know, in toto, where he's taking the Marine Corps, they do not agree with, and now you're seeing this thing in public. So, um, again, th those statistics, though, that, that General Van Riper cites, I mean, when you see them in one paragraph, you know, you look at them and say, holy shit, man. Holy shit. And, again, all tanks are gone. 76% of its cannon artillery gone. 41% fewer uh, Marines and infantry battalions. And 33% fewer aircraft. And all of that in exchange for, you know, what General Sheehan would say, a niche capability in the South China Sea, yada, yada, yada. Um, hey, don't, remember that, that Lynn Wells memo we talked about? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is just... It's, and, and I'll tell you what, for those of you who haven't seen the Lynn Wells memo, um, I'll put, I'll, I'll find it and I'll put it in, in the post because um, we'll just summarize it, right? Yeah, basically, uh, um, the SecDef was asking about, you know, looking into the future and uh, Rumsfeld. And uh, this guy, Lynn Wells, wrote him a memo that talked about in 1900, this is what you would have thought would happen. In 1910, this is what... 1920 and every one of those those you know 1900 the look to 1910 was so completely wrong and it basically says we're not very good at predicting the future 10 years ahead of us let alone 30. Um, and and I think we've talked about it in regard to fort design a few times already. Mm -hmm. I mean uh, it seemed like uh, General Lejeune and uh, and Ellis had a pretty good idea what was coming. 1920. Yeah, and and they are absolutely the noted historical exception, aren't they? Right. I I probably agree with you. Although you have to look at guys like I remember reading biographies of Patton and stuff, and him and Eisenhower and uh, other guys talking about how the you know the uh, armored pretty much online with Fuller and uh, you know and and Malay on what's going to you know what's coming. You know, so. Uh, 
Yeah, but if yeah, you if you if you if you see the memo, not, if you not, see the memo though, general. Jeff, yeah, if, if they go in 1900, you would have been, you know, France was aligned with you know so and so, right? And in, in in 20 years, you know, France is now aligned with 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 the UK yeah. fighting Germany, and they just show you. He goes through and he says, you know, every 20 years this thing flips, and it's not predictable. And there are the anomalies, no doubt. As you just as you just pointed out, and and, and that's and the beauty of the well, memo, and he and he takes it all the way up until what 1970 or something. And right, yeah. Predicting the evolution of the military sphere, I think, is a lot easier in ten years, as opposed to the grand strategic political sphere. Right. Right. Um, Which and the, and and Wells's point, you know, and and then I would say, you know, Van Riper and Sheehan's point is that. You know, you've got to be a generalist. You've got to be able to perform across the range of military operations. And, and you've got to land with a thud. And that's always been the value of the nation's Marine Corps. And, um, and so an existential um, – I mean, so I, 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 I would – when you read what General Van Riper writes in particular, they see force design 2030 as an existential threat to the Marine Corps. That this nuanced event in the South China Sea, which and, and again the commandant makes the the point in in the Ignatius mm-hmm. um, in the Ignatius article that this is not a South China Sea <clears throat> or a one venue event. Right, right. Th- this forces on twenty thirty um, operates across any littoral environment around the world. Blah 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 blah. So he he makes uh, he makes that point. Um, very very specifically right <clears throat> and and uh and he still talks about the marine corps fighting combined arms he talks about you know we empower junior leaders to take initiative i would tell you my experience in iraq and afghanistan says most of the time we do not um but he makes the point throughout that um that this is not a a, a one venue uh situation and that is, yeah. and he gets pushed back on that. Uh, I think across from across the board. So let's. I want to go around one more time. Do you expect this debate um, to? Do you think these are going to be to and off? Do you expect this debate to continue and and to see more general officers of this group uh, publish? Do you expect to see, would you expect um, them to actively campaign against our current commandant and relative to the choice to be the next commandant? Where does, so where do you think this goes? Timmy, where does it go? The, the only the only place it can go is for those of the four-star rank and three-star rank of the retired community who have legitimate connections with serving congressmen and senators to try to wield their influence and make their, their make make their concerns known, but until somebody that's in the uh, um, the legislative branch, until somebody gets interested in this particular topic, which seems to be uh, not even remotely on anybody's radar, until that happens, where it goes is where it's been going, and that's we continue to go right down the shitter continuing to divest to invest 
which is a buzzword that the administration is using. And we're the only ones that have done it, which is why the Wall Street Journal was commending us that got General Sheehan all pissed off. But our divest to invest was bullshit. All we did was divest. We got no invest. And now we're sitting here looking, I think, uh, pretty goddamn silly. And um, and I will reserve all of the comments for talking about the, com- the Commandant's article, because that, uh, that chaps my ass a little bit, too. Well, go ahead and talk about it. Well, okay. So the first thing that we talk about in this article, Ignatius, being nobody's fool, presses him on the, you know, who would have thought if you're wargaming this that Russia would do so bad against the Ukraine? And the commandant's like, yeah, yeah, war games, ah, you know, they don't take in the human factor. They can be wrong. Now, everything he's doing is based on his prowess with war games, number one. So that's a little bit of a, yeah, you're right about that. Let's move on. And then we get into the specific criticism that Bing West had made in his article about basically the exact same thing that we've been talking about for two fucking years. To which the commandant says, well, I'd like to flip that on its head and talk about what you've seen in Ukraine and Russia. And then he says, our approach is to distribute the Naval and Marine Corps forces widely to be able to operate from ship to shore the purpose of controlling key parts, just like you would on land, where there might be a road intersection you want to control. Well, at sea in the maritime environment, they're equivalent of road intersections, and we would need to hold that open and need to make sure they're open and free. Okay. Fine, I, under, I understand the word salad. Specifically where in this goddamn current context could you be parking your standing, what does it call it? A standing force to start yeah. holding key choke points open. Where exactly is that gonna fucking happen? And how are you gonna do that? You see? And that's a question for which there is no answer. Well, I'm, we're gonna hold open the, uh, what are you gonna go invest Constantinople and hope hold open the straits there? I think the Turks have got that. They've actually changed it to Islambul, Istanbul anyway, but, you know. Yeah, but, well, I mean, that's the thing. Are yeah, we going like, uh, to engage with foreign countries? Is that stand-in force going to be them? With uh, Are we going to uh, – it's pretty vague, you know? I mean, of course it's got to be them, right? Right. Timmy, Timmy, one thing just for everybody. So we're doing this on, Zoom, on, on Skype right now. Yeah. I just wish everybody could have seen – Tim's delivery of what you just heard it was awesome. He's sitting in his chair, right? His arms are going back and forth laterally. He's going up and down. He's pointing at the monitor. He's gesticulating. I feel bad that you didn't get to see that because yeah, we it, was, it was awesome because he was all in on that. He was, he was like the stand-in force on that, just so you know. Thank you that, very much. I but wish it, I, I'm on a stripper pole right now. I wish I could. Yeah, you're missing it, Jeff. You're missing it. It was it was quite the performance, honestly. Oh, I saw it. I saw oh. it, Jimmy. I see you. Bravo, guys. bravo, Jimmy. Bravo. Uh, there, well, thank you're you. Welcome. But the, but I was I was gonna stop. You know, I'm gonna stop where I started, which is the Marine Corps as the force in readiness to come in, close with, and destroy the enemy. What the Russians have been unable to completely do is to close with and destroy the enemy. So now that they've apparently reached their culmination point, now they're going to retrench. And instead of taking stock as to what they're doing wrong and changing their plans, which what a smart military would do, but they rarely do that, they're going to probably double up and try to find some other point of pressure. But we now lack that ability to close with and destroy. Suppose we want to go after, uh, it doesn't matter what, 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 what the scenario is, 
our modus operandi has always been overwhelming mass, go in, close with these assholes, and let's end this shit now, which is what we would have done the first battle of Fallujah if people hadn't gotten all shitty with us. You know, I mean, that's that's exactly the kind of shit that we're trained to do. Russians can't do that. Now I'm afraid that we can't either. And it's uh, it's distressing because we could put tanks to good use in that country. Well, believe me, because we don't put tanks out front. That's not how it, go, how it works. We use them to enable maneuver, something the Russians are completely incapable, it would appear, of, uh, of accomplishing. Yeah, their problem isn't uh, equipment. Their problem is tactics. Yeah, exactly. They close with and destroy, brother. That's not an easy thing to do. It's an ethos that's unique to the Marine Corps. We are friggin' psychos about this kind of stuff. But we but we're also like but we're also organized in that way. And we, and and we oh, yeah. you know again a month ago when we were talking about this operation and we said you know given the size of Ukraine and given let's yeah. just say there's five elements and he's got. 200,000 total of which 100,000 are are fighters and that's probably being generous when you t think of troop to task right okay so mm -hmm. that means 20,000 per okay he, he not going in any of those cities in any big way with 20,000 per which which includes your armor forces your artillery forces he doesn't have the ass and 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 Never everything did. has played out true to form the reason they're shelling the cities is because that's what they can do. Okay, now mm -hmm. I want to transition to uh, David Ignatius, right? Now, be mindful mm -hmm. of General Van Riper's statistics. Um, Ignatius asked him a question um, about Force Design 2030. And General Berger says this. I would begin perhaps by saying, first of all, today, this afternoon, we're very capable of any mission that the Secretary were of Defense were to send us. We are a crisis response force. We can handle the task now. <laughs> you gotta be shitting me. Okay, we didn't rehearse this, just so everybody knows. Jeff snickering and Tim saying, you gotta be shitting me? We didn't rehearse that. And so when you when you compare and contrast that, what would General Van Riper's reaction? He would guffaw at that. No, you're not. You've given away so much of your capability. You don't have. You can't do the range of military operations. And again, by saying for today, this afternoon, we're capable of any mission that the Secretary of Defense were to give us. And then he goes further down. He says, but the aviation ground logistics team that I mentioned before, that's the heart. Now, General Riper's statistics, you've given away 33% of your aviation assets, right? And, and so you, you, you watch this, and, and, and again, this is the kind of stuff when you get to the three and four star level, they don't need to get their secret decoder ring out to translate what you're saying to them. They fucking know, okay? And if you think you're going to fairy dust shit for them, and everybody's gonna do the bobblehead thing, that's the wrong crew to be doing that with, okay? You gotta go lower rank, right? And everybody's sitting there with their hands folded in their lap going, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. Any questions? No, sir. We think it's wonderful. This is not that crew, okay? And so when you see those, and again, Tim pointing out the irony of the war game thing, right? Forces on 2030 is a war game, right? It's It's been war game, supposedly, 
But again, the one name that, that is synonymous with big war games and the Marine Corps, right? Paul Van Riper. We didn't rehearse that motherfucker either. Okay, was he involved in it? Was he given the opportunity to shit on the concept and saying, walk out and say, hey, look, I endorse, we've done this. I, I understand the intellectual rigor. No, he was not He was not anywhere near it. And so when you when you look at the Ignatius thing, these things kind of jump off the page at you. Yeah, and you know what's going to, you know, your original question was, is there going to be more of this? Well, if the best that Kamenak can come up with is what he did with Ignatius, they're going to freaking crush him. I mean, right. some of the stupidity that was in that interview, he talked about no one should ever doubt NATO as being a rapid response force. <laughs> really? Wait, wait, how? Yeah. You know, oh, for two, God's he sake. Talks about, it's like he's not, um, talking to, he's not talking to everybody. He's talking to a select audience. Right. But well, Ignatius knows better than that. But the whole thing is, yeah, I mean... He throws out some pablum. You know, the Marine Corps is very uh -huh. good at empowering junior leaders. You know, Mac talked about Afghanistan. I mean, don't read that AAV sinking investigation. Yeah, right. right. Stripping away uh, the the, uh, the stripping away the uh, enemy's uh, board reconnaissance. We're great that, at that too. That might be true. Done. I just don't know a historical example. Right. <laughs> Well, that's all. That's, well, that's, pro well, that's problematic. That's okay. yeah, because you're not clear for the war game. You know, he talks shit. about logistics. Us, he talks about four, one of the great strengths of our country is logistics. Is. It absolutely yeah. is. Yeah. But we're great at the super strategic national overwhelming with shit. That yeah. takes a little bit of time. And that's what the Marine Corps always gives the country a he little says, bit of time. Exactly. Our logistics is integrated. You say something. You say something to this crew. They look it up. You know, you look and it I, up, I would, I, you know, I would and exactly. The, the other thing is this whole thing about Ukraine. Ukraine does not prove, you know, the Marine Corps twenty thirty. Mm -mm. It's interesting because, right, the Russians didn't have enough ass to take it, right, but the Ukrainians don't have any ass. To take it back right so it and so what the yeah. commandant is saying well we're going to be able to put these littoral regiments into these choke points and area denial etc well that's assuming that you get there before anyone else does exactly you right. don't have the assault capability of that full combined arms team to take the ground mm -hmm. you're you're not going to be able to do ukrainian defense of drones and whatever other weird shit that they're doing and they're being successful at it. Right. But right. that's not what we do. The Marine Corps doesn't, uh, it, it, you know, we had those defense battalions in World War II because we're right. trying to get the whole country on ass. So we went to Iceland and Samoa. But after that, the Marine Corps was taking things away from people. Right. Uh, if we don't have a Marine Corps that's going to do that, Who's gonna do it? Yeah, those defensive battalions were done by late 1943. Yeah, because exactly what Will said, they fucking fed them into the regular, uh, you know, the, the six divisions that were being ginned up to take back, you know, the. And, and we've seen it in in our short lifetime. I mean, remember uh, Desert Shield? Right. The first people there were the Marine Corps, and the Marine Corps was taking that MPF and feeding. 
the other troops, 82nd Airborne Ready Brigade, when they got off the plane. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, something that you, you don't think about when, when uh, Bosnia started. The army was, all they had to do was drive down from Europe to get, they couldn't get there from there. Right. Right. There's a bridge yeah, out. Bridge, yeah, and they remember yes. when they, uh, I can't remember if it was in Turkey or was it in Bosnia again, when they tried to get a, uh, a, squ- a couple of squadrons of helicopters. They couldn't get the helicopters in there. Right. They weren't ready. Uh, you know, Grenada is another one. Again, all this is small shit. But, 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 but just to be don't clear. you have it, you can't do it. But we That's backfilled we those. We, we we were you mentioned those because we backfilled those requirements, so they mm-hmm. couldn't get in there. So the Mew came in, right? And and I got to tell and you, the helicopters right? from the Marines yeah. came in. That's that's the the thing about the Ignatius thing is, um, first of all, just it shows the the level of journalism in this country now. The commandant gets away with just throwing this crap out there mm-hmm. that. Um, four over the hill, three of us going bald, a couple of us fat guys can take apart without even cracking open Wikipedia. And David Ignatius doesn't even ask, you know, the stuff doesn't stand up to the, to the third question, let alone the second question. He doesn't ask him one. I mean, God fucking damn. <laughs> when are we going to, you know, and that's the thing, yeah. as Jeff said. <laughs> Within, How you moving shit to shore these days without those AAVs are coming up? Within the house, um, I mean, Marines will eat a lot of shit, but but these guys at this level, they ain't going to eat it. And I and I, I just can't imagine the commandant sitting in a room and trying yeah. to give that level of brief to those level of people. Yeah, I, I would, I lo- I would have loved to have sat in know. on that shit, right? Been a little... You know, a little maitre d water, sir. Why? Hey, nobody needs water. Why are you still in here? No, no reason. Just hanging out. Um, well, I heard, I heard anecdotally that he just doesn't talk to generals like three stars and stuff. He has. So we know, like, he, he's going to have a symposium with all these retired guys. They don't even get clued in until it's too late. You know, so that's the. I want to ask two more questions. The first one is, how did we get here? Right, which Jeff just started talking about, and. And then, uh, if you were if you were General Berger, what would what would you be doing in the future? Right, you have to go on the offensive, right? But anyway, so I want to talk about those six. So, uh, so, Timmy, how do we get here? Do we just do we just do we just discount all these guys with all these stars and all these experience? Wow. Do we just say, hey, I've got a, I've got a very sophisticated war game. You don't know shit about it. I'm really not going to read you in, and I'm not going to let Van Riper take it apart. You know, so I'll get to you when I get to you. How do we how do we get to this point, Timmy? I, I'm I'm I don't have the advantages that you three have in knowing Berger. I, I've never. I don't know. He and just so, NJP'd me. That's that's close enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is hardly a, that, that is hardly a two way relationship. Is what my point. That was the last. That was the last smart thing he did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Nicely done. He did a couple of smart things since then because I work for him. This, yeah, <laughs> this, this started with with as, as soon as he came on board. This was during the Trump administration. Nobody in the the Secretary of the Navy or Defense in that administration apparently had a, enough visibility or awareness to understand what was happening. 
because as this thing started, we can go back and, and listen to the tapes. We were perplexed in what the hell is he doing because he's changing the force structure of forces that are dedicated to operational plans, and he owes those combatant commanders those forces. Who the hell's going to put him in? Who's going to who's going to backfill that commitment? And so, apparently, he's been able to pretty pretty much on his own authority completely gut the Marine Corps. His insistence that he would get the money back from his divestment, which, by the way, I said is a, is an administrative a buzzword and whatnot, um, did not have pan out. We predicted that on this on this show. Based on the okay, but theory, let me ask you. Though, my question is, you know, how did he get to this position with the th- four stars and three stars of the Marine Corps? We are oh, now sorry, seeing I, I, open, yeah, open, yeah, you know, <laughs> open warfare in front of the public, and I mean, it, things that we were taught never. We, this is not the right. way we do it. How did we get there? Right, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I thought you were trying to plant a uh, uh, plant a rant. No, on me and I no, 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 no. I know it. No, the, the the way we got here is that all the traditional ways of trying to influence the workings of the Marine Corps appropriately, they are, um, you, you know, they're they're ethereal. They're not black and white. There's they, there's a way that the Marine Corps general officers work with each other to influence current plans and procedures, and was ignored. And the the what we'll talk about General Amos doing, which was trying to maintain some degree of equilibrium in the face of massive change. That is hard for an organization to do. And the commandant who is in charge of maintaining the Marine Corps, his primary job, in my opinion, is to decrease the amount of friction that his Marines have to deal with. And instead, he's instituted these drastic changes that have nothing but injected friction on top of the bullshit coming in from the current Secretary of Defense and all these ridiculous, ridiculous nonsense that they, that they yeah. but the word, but, so the, but the, wor- the word you said that jumped out is that he's ignored them. He's he's ignored them, and he's ignored his his primary responsibility, which is to maintain a sense of equilibrium and to protect his Marines from the vicissitudes of of, of congressional congressional is that nonsense Latin? and malfeasance, is that Latin? and he's failed to do. It is, and it's a good word. Good job, Timmy. Yeah. Thank you very much, Jeff. Julius Caesar, Marcus Julius Cicero would fucking be smiling <laughs> at you right now. That's exactly even though he who was I was thinking. Even though he was behind. Jeff, yeah, so Jeff, thoughts on how 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 the commandant got here with the retired, the alumni three and four star community. Yeah, I think uh, that. Uh, that the current forces, people within the, the you know the, within the Marine Corps, influenced him, and also people in DOD said, "Here's where we want the Marine Corps to go. You're not going to be commandant unless you go this way." And he's he's made comments that said that General Neller kind of was going this way right. too, you know. So uh, I think that's it. And then um, I mean, I knew I worked for the guy pretty close for a year. He never made a stupid move. He never said a stupid comment. He always acted with compassion when it came to like you know um, disciplinary things. I was shocked with this because the guy was always the type of guy who always said, "Now wait a minute." And somebody would have like a you know the good idea fairy would light on somebody. So this is it's bizarre to me, you know. But it, it, what it shows what it so what that kind of encouraged me to think is that uh, 
somebody out there with a strong influence is saying you do this or else or if you if you do this you get that you know what i mean i mean I, I can't i can't really divine anything else about it you know i know that uh like i said I, to be honest i have to say the guy was always solid you know in my dealings with him you know what i mean and i i had some pretty good i had some pretty gnarly like disciplinary problems you know and he was always Cool headed about it, you know. Well, I, I just want to when uh, he NJP'd me, he was very cool headed about that. <laughs> he was very cool headed about right. that, as I recall. Yeah, but he was younger, more wild. Then, <laughs> I think. <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't know about. I didn't know about any of that. I have to tell you, you know, um, like I, I can't. I think it was Timmy who was saying somebody was laying out the new, the new way the Marine Corps is going to be, and it was very succinct. You know, it's like. To me, the great giants were General Wilson, General Barrow, and General Gray. Because my career spanned the shit times of the mid-1970s through the great times, what I consider the 80s and 90s, and, you know, early, early 2000s. To, now we're back to, back to manure times, you know. And uh, I have to say, those are the guys who were giants to me. And the reason was because they were, um, they were building the Marine Corps that a lieutenant and a sergeant could run without having extra rocks in their pack. And 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 for the last 20 years, we haven't had that. We've had some great guys, great Marines, you know, become generals, become commandant. I mean, I love General Neller, and General Dunford's an admirable guy. But they just, uh, just weren't effectual like these other guys. These other guys were. You know, these other guys... And they fended off the, the you know the derogatory the, the deleterious effects of uh, lesser beings from the government and from the other services who tried to change us, and uh, and that's what I that's what I think about this whole thing. And I think right now what we got is that General Berger is under the he's under the influence of deleterious uh, effects. Got it. All right. Well, you how did, how did he get here? With the three and four stars, yeah. because I, I think Jeff's right in that he was given orders. You know, Marine Corps has got to change, and, and the Marine Corps. Okay, but that's not the question. The Marine Corps had to change in its history throughout, right? So, how do yeah. you get so sideways with so much, exp almost unanimously sideways with your alumni association of three and four stars? Yeah, and and, and again, in in our time, I think there were two major reorganizations. Um, one was under General Krulak. And remember, there were some there were some odd things in there. Uh, I think we were looking at like light armored regiments, and and I remember combined was, arms regiments, right? Was, there you go. Yeah, it was never fully sort of accepted within the Marine Corps, and then it never came to pass. The other one was uh, under General Amos. It was interesting because. You know, I went from Weapons Train Battalion in Quantico, where you think you sort of know a little bit what's going on, up there to that office, and and uh, General Conway had actually started that. And when I think about it, there was unanimous consent amongst uh, the three stars for sure that we needed to do something. Right? It's 2010. Rick was 206,000. We don't have the budget to support that. We're going to come down. Either we choose the path to come down and shape the Marine Corps, or someone's going to choose it for us. Right. And 
And, um, you know, how that was done was they basically locked uh, some pretty high-powered thinkers in a room for about six months. And, you know, you're talking to MEF chief of staff level people. Uh, And when it got done, not everyone agreed with it, but they agreed with the fundamental. They didn't agree with some of the nits. Oh, we needed you know, an extra MWSS here, or, uh, you know, why why four battalions there and two battalions? I mean, it was nits. It wasn't the fundamental issue. Um, and so this one, again, I'm with I'm with Jeff and, I, and with Tim, is, it's, it's mystifying to me why you, you have a force that's laid out in law of what it's supposed to be. And even if there is a threat to the existence of the force, well, historically, we're pretty good at fending off that kind of crap. What's the impetus impetus for this? Exactly. That's what I don't understand. And, you know, is there... Uh, and, and, the, and the thing about it, in the building, the first one that raises their hand and says, I'll give something up, there is nobody getting in that guy's way. Right? <laughs> There's no one doing it. And so, um, you know, I don't, I don't, I guess I know a bunch of people that are still in active duty, senior leaders. I don't talk to them about this stuff. I don't really talk to them at all. Um, but I can't imagine that whatever it was three years ago now, there was this fundamental understanding amongst the senior leadership in the Marine Corps that we needed to fundamentally change. There was that in 2010. We knew there was a threat out there that the Marine Corps is not going to be 206,000 people five years from now. And we, we can either have Ray Mabus in the administration tell us what we're going to look like, or we can preempt all that uh, and give them a better plan than they could ever come up with. So, Will, do you think there was like a like a faction that thought we didn't go far enough? Or, you know what I'm saying? I, and what? that's it. I just, I... But even, but even if you did... Everything. Right. It goes against everything. It goes against... Right, right. The history of the Marine Corps, the fact that we're in legislation, you know, three division wing, combined arms, yada, yada. It goes again. And you talk about general officers. Now, I can't imagine that there's a major that works in P&R, programs and resources, that thinks it's a good idea to give something up without direct compensation in the budget. in legis- right. I mean, the prince of the palm, you know, that's the poor bastard major who has to shepherd the budget through everything i'm for all i know six of them had heart attacks in the last couple of years over this stuff there is no way uh i and i mean in my time there was uh uh mark berlakis was a one star um and i'm blanking on the name of the three star down there those two guys were in absolute knife fights every day okay. with the U.S. Navy, with the Department of the Navy, with this organization called CAPE, 
and oversaw budget stuff. Right. They if they if they would have had to go in and tell the commandant that they had to give something away, they would have committed ritual seppuku out in the passageway because that was just unacceptable behavior. Yeah, I have to tell you anecdotally, I was at this thing in Barstow and I talked to two different occasions, a major and a colonel who are both supply slash logistics guys. And they gave me this glassy eyed look. I was saying, hey, you know, I think the, it got onto the subject of force design. I'm like, a lot of the same things we're bringing up now. And they're like, uh, oh no, you know, this is, uh, you know. And I remember thinking, hey, uh, can I ask you a question about supply? Sure, because I don't know shit about supply. Okay. But you don't know shit about what I know about. You don't know shit about operations. You don't know shit about fucking, you know, what it takes to do an amphibious op. They could give a shit. It's like there's a bunch of people, you know, that uh, maybe it's because of the way they're, you know, maybe it's because of the sign of time. It's not just the Marine Corps. It's not just, you know, the military. It's like either you, you either you, 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 either you conform or you, you're, in, you're, you're in jeopardy or you at least you perceive that you are. You know? Let me... Um... How, so how do you get there with your three and four stars? And I think the answer is simple: you ignore, yeah. you ignore them, right? And and yeah. so, exactly and they right. took it, yeah. they took it for you know, load these, you know, what is it, three years now, and now they've they've right. said we're not going to, we see this as fundamentally detrimental to the Marine Corps, and and whether it's a fight over the next commandant or the budget, um, they've now. At least it appears in these two articles, they planted their guidons and said, no, if you want to do this in public, we'll do this, but we're not going to watch this anymore. And and I think that, that so we've seen these transformations in the Marine Corps and, and what has tended to happen, as Will said, you know, Gerald Amos brings in the retired, right, General Officer Symposium. That thing is not shared very often, right? And because, you know, respectful of, of the wisdom that resides in that, the budgetary fights, the fights on Capitol Hill, all the right. all, all the other wars that have been fought by the Marine Corps to sustain itself across the range of military operations. And so, again, I, I think that the conclusion, again, not knowing, I mean, this is almost like open source ops intel relative to this kind of these issues, but not knowing, it's like he ignored them and they're not taking it anymore. And so, but again, staggering to watch this, and 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 again, if you're going to war game something, if 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 Paul Van Riper's name isn't on it, it's like what's wrong with this picture, right? It's going right. to be it's going to be the source of your credibility, unless you're afraid he's going to blow the fucker up, and then it's not going to go the way that you've already decided that it was going to go to go, and so to me. You know, in Marine Corps history, we've been told to evolve, right? The evolution of the Marine Corps was always done with certain principles in mind. You know, to be able to operate across the range of military operations, to, to be able to fight tonight, deliver the most with the least amount of budget, right? That has always been our, 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 our guiding instructions. That's what we do, right? And now we've come off that. And and I think he's ignored people, and and so that's how, that's why we that's why we're seeing what we're seeing. So let me ask you a final question in this thing: If you were General Berger, and you were defending Force Design 2030, what would you be doing in the upcoming weeks and and, and upcoming months, Timmy? 
I think the timing of of, of our, our generals coming out and whatnot is, I would suspect, is to influence the choice of the next commandant. Now, what he can or cannot do in regarding the choice of the next commandant, one of that that letter that that uh, Jeffrey uh, referred to that my dad wrote uh, talked about one of the one of the commandants who tried to game the system and and, and basically pull the general officers and uh, allegedly it was supposed to be a blind poll and to see what they thought the next commandant could be in order yeah. to start in order Anderson. to start manipulating the void. Remember that, Jeff? Yeah. A so he Anderson. can't do that. Um, I I don't. I don't know what he's going to do. I, I think the only thing he can do is have another retired general officer symposium because those guys get that DC per diem. And now that it's all gentrified next to eighth and I get them all liquored up and, uh, and, and hopefully uh, uh, create, create a diversion. Look at those retired guys. They don't know what they're doing. That's the only thing he can do because he's, he's screwed, man. I don't, right. I don't know who he's going to sell this plan to. It doesn't make any. And the final thing I want to say is, the close with and destroy the enemy requires big infantry battalions because we know as professionals, people are going to die. You can't right. do this stuff for free. So you had big battalions that could sustain casualties and stay operational. How do you do that? You now? don't. That's and you haven't you been paying attention? Guys. We're not a close yeah. with organization anymore. Yeah, I know. And, and it's just it, I just wanted to make that one little final a uh, point that's probably made too many times already. All right, Jeff, if you if yeah. you were General Berger, what would you be doing in the next weeks and months? Well, first of all, let me just say about the close with the district. Every time somebody mentions that, it makes me feel guilty that I didn't say it first. Because that is absolutely true. That's us. That's what makes us who we are. You know, that is close with and destroys us. But let me say this. Are you saying, Mac, or let me ask this. Are you saying if I was General Berger and I wanted to do the, successfully do the force design, what would yes. I do? Okay, what I'd do is this. I'd have those, whatever dudes he has to perform, <laughs> we think this is a good idea, come up with a no-shit scenario. Fucking scenario, man. If it's classified, you could use real-world countries and shit. You come up with a couple different scenarios in different COCOM areas and say, here's what we think we can do with our new Marine Corps. And this is why we think it's compelling enough to do it. I just don't, I can't imagine it being successful because uh, no matter what you think the Marine Corps look, should look like in 1947, in 1950, you got Korea. So mm -hmm. if you have this great grand idea what the Marine Corps is gonna be, you gotta put it aside and fight the fucking war because that's us. Back to close with and destroy. But his guy's got to come up with something that, okay, here's what we want to ultimately do, and here's a scenario in 2027, and here's a scenario in 2023, what we can do with what we got now after we already divested so much great stuff and so many great people, here's how we can still do it. Personally, I think that's, you know, a Pollyannish thing. I don't think it can be done, but that's the only way they could do it. They got to sell a scenario. And there's real world scenarios that are going on now. And we're looking a lot like Russia and a lot li not like Ukraine. You know what I mean? The way I look at it. We got people more worried about, uh, you know, about uh, critical race theory and bullshit like that than about, you know, uh, combined arms proficiency. Well, um, if you were General Berger, what would you be doing in the next weeks and months to, uh, to, to uh, what would you be doing? Well, I think uh, 
I, I was just looking at the Covenant's website. So he came in July of 19, which means he's out in July of 23, which means he'll be there uh, for the budget uh, next spring. And if he fundamentally believes in, in this vision, then he needs to ensure um, in those key committees in the House and Senate uh, I mean, OLA has got to ensure that people are going to get reelected for one. Uh, and he's got to ensure that this budget cycle basically uh, gets past the tipping point, um, that it can't be undone. And um, because the next commandant will get named, you know, in the spring of 23, that's already past budget time. Um, so a year from, so that's a really year from the now, key thing. right? Yeah. I mean, if, if there have been uh, discussions with, you know, respected former commandants and, and others that, that he is not, he's gotten advice and not taking it from him or he just doesn't believe him or he can't convince him. Well, that battle is, it's been fought and it's over. And I don't think you go and, and try and fight it. So I, yeah, I like the two prong. I like Jeff's approach um, to sort of um, justify it uh in that audience, but the key thing is the budget for him because this will be uh, three or four budget cycles. And to undo that would be, uh, you know, it's just hard to imagine. I'm not. I just. I'm not close enough to that anymore right. to see what the fundamental numbers are. How much has been already divested. Uh, and how you reclaim it. I mean, you know, there's been capital that's been outlaid for different weapons and other things are put away. You just can't get that shit yeah. back, particularly if you're three cycles in. So he may he may hand the next commandant sort of a fait accompli. Doesn't really matter what the fuck you think. You're going to spend your entire commandancy uh, trying to fill in a hole if you think this is a hole that you got to fill in. Um, so... If, if he's a true believer, I, I think that's his total focus. I, I would just, I, and to me, he has to go on a charm offensive in, in order to lay the groundwork for the budget. He's got to get out there and he's got to forcefully um, advocate, uh, advocate for um, force design. He's got to get people out there that will carry his water. And as Jeff said, he's got to be able to lay it out, maybe, you know, vis a vis. You know, not so much anymore. The South China Sea, because Taiwan has eclipsed that. Right? How does this? How does this defend Taiwan? How does the Marine Corps play a key pivotal role in that as a stand-in force? And to me, he's got to get people out there, and he's got to he's got to sell that, right? He's got to sell that. But you know, I'll tell you what, Will. Um, what you bring up is is absolutely true. You can't get it back, right? You you're that far deep into it. I mean that shit's gone. So what do you do? And and the other I, thing I would say relative to the to the Senate Armed Service Committee and the House Armed Service Committee is that there's been 
and and I think I don't, I don't know if Jeff or Tim alluded to this, but there's been, in my opinion, no reconciliation, right, in the war plans. So wait a minute. So you know, the war plan for Korea right. requires exactly. requires two Marine Timmy, infantry divisions. Those are mm-hmm. those are now littoral regiment guys, and they don't close with anymore. Where do the two divisions come from? And is the army said, "Oh yeah, we're over here." They'll come from there. Has that happened yet? And have they been configured right. and resourced so that they can fit into the war plan? It, it, to me, that has been kind of a one of the mystifying things. There's been no reconciliation in terms of, oh yeah, the Marine Corps doesn't do windows anymore. We got that. Okay, so who slides into all these different war plans? I haven't seen. Right, that's something the Secretary of Defense should be uh, cognizant of and working on. But he's got other. Problems. Well, I mean, it, it, yeah, let me tell you. I mean, you this know, started a while ago, and 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 it wasn't it wasn't undertaken then either, right? I, so I that rec- that it, reconciliation um, has not occurred yet. And so, to me, he's got to sell his idea, right? And uh, and then we'll see where it goes. And I t- and I, if I could give him one piece of advice to sell his idea. Use words that we understand. I have no idea. When I read the documents, I don't know what the hell they're talking about. Yeah. What is a stand-in force? I was only on active duty for right. 28 years. Okay. Stand-in I mean, force. It, it pales in comparison to some people on this broadcast. No, but, but yeah. you're right. You're absolutely right. What the fuck? Are you talking about host nation people who are getting invaded or what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and I, I challenge you to read that Force Design 2030, right. and even using Webster's <laughs> Dictionary, you can't figure out what they're talking about. That's I mean, so. I, I, I'm, and in my mind's eye, I'm crossing the gro- globe, and I, like for instance, you see shit happening in the, the Spratly Islands, and then you see like a bunch of guys in the in the uh, the Himalayas, in India, and uh, and China border, and they're getting ready to punch each other because nobody has weapons because they're afraid of so there's guys like tim and gunny don vito and everybody's get everybody's got their mouthpieces in ready to throw people off cliff it's just it's bizarre man it's like you know uh what are you talking about what just give us a scenario with real people and real you know you know and if yeah. it's classified then just give it to the fucking you know the the, the snazzy dudes in the in the pentagon as long as we something what do you what do you mean about all this shit, you know? And what deficiency that is so glaring are you trying to overcome? That's the other one, you know? Well, they had really? to make up a term for that. Yeah. The pacing threat. Mm-hmm. What? I huh? am. It's I always like, spent 28 years. No, I like, remember I when I first like heard that. that, so wait a minute, we're not going to be a close with force anymore? No. And we won't operate across the military, the range of military operations? No. So if we went to war in Europe today, what would we do? Would we like fall in and do fixed site security for the army oh, to free sure. them up to go fight? Uh, well, uh, well, here, force. And here's another one. Uh, you know, I hate to quote General Mattis, but why aren't we the pacing threat? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he never said uh, that. He never said well that. Played, well played, right? well played, well played. We don't play, we don't have a worry pacing about threat. Us. We're the pacing threat. I'm, like, I'm sitting here in my, what will someday be my office, and looking at these plaques. I've got one in front of me. U.S. Marine Embassy Security Guard in every climbing place. When you say close with and destroy, that's the first phrase that leads to all the other ones we got. 
Closes to destroy at every climb and place. You know what I mean? It's like well, and, and, and to bring this back where it started, that is what that, that is what has General Van Riper right writing what right. he writes. Right? I am what's I what's he say? I am heartbroken. Um, uh, as a Marine, I've spent 65, 66 years as a Marine, um, oh, and. Yeah. Uh, hold on. L Here? Let me let me read. What, let me read uh, what he said. Sixty-six years later, I still consider myself a, a United States Marine, but I'm saddened beyond belief, yeah. knowing that our Marine Corps soon will no longer be the ready combined arms force that our nation has long depended upon when its interests were threatened. Right. And that burns our ass. And that burns our ass. You know, remember General Van Riper told a story when he was a company commander, yeah. and they had they were locked in the trenches, and uh, he had air. All he had left was air, and they said to him, "We're Winchester, man. You got nothing left." And he said, "I noticed though, the North Vietnamese would crouch down their holes whenever those fast movers would come in." He said to his guys, "We're gonna have them come in one more time before they go bingo." And for everybody listening, Winchester means out of rounds. Bingo means out of fuel. And, he, and when they did, his guys fixed bayonets and came charging over the top and shot him from above. Do you remember he told that story? He told it to the IOC lieutenants at, at the fireside chat where he broke his fucking leg. <laughs> remember that? I do remember I mean, that. Yeah, that was something else, man. I remember I was dry-throated. I tried to start crying. I mean, that's close with and fucking destroy, man. That's in his DNA. That's he'll never forget that, and he always connects everybody else with it. You know. No, and you can hear. I mean, you you read the words that the heartfelt words, you know, in in his you know very succinct, um, you know, opinion piece that he wrote for Marine Corps Times, and um, and again, I think what you're talking about is a guy who devoted a smart, smart guy. And whether we're talking about, I mean, if you want to listen to a great interview, and I have very little to do with it, but turn on the Ben Riper interview in the disciplinaries in the discipline series, where he begins to tell you why he was such an asshole about discipline, yeah, right? right? And and he starts with, "Look, I didn't grow up like that in Pennsylvania, you know. I mean, it's not like you know, me and my brother were goose stepping around, but um, you know, when you try to call in a metal back." And you don't know where the colored smoke is in your company. And he said, look, I, and, and he tells the story. I have, I had over 100% casualties in my company right. in my year in Vietnam. I had over, I want to say over 78 KIA in, in my company. Yeah, my, yeah, my company 3-7. And, and he tells the stories of how he learned these lessons the hard fucking way. And, and, right. and then, you know, for the rest of his life, and again, Timmy and I, I remember when we talked about the interview, um, we we all listened to it and we talked about it. Timmy and I said, I'm embarrassed that I didn't understand that mm -hmm. guy when he was giving mm -hmm. us the wisdom that he was giving us. And now what you're seeing in that uh, that opinion piece he wrote is his heartbreak, right? And and and, he's, yeah. and, 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 and what you have to respect is, right, willing to do it in public, right? Willing yep. to do it in public. So again, I to me, that's not the last time you're going to see this stuff. In, in public, and the commandant's going to have to, uh, in a very visible way, defend his what what he's put forward, 
because he is going to get an onslaught, and I don't think these are the last two letters that you're going to see him. So final thought. Timmy? You know, when we were captains, we had the ability in our rifle companies to generate our own indirect fire. We had our own machine guns. We, as as we were closing with and destroying the enemy, we didn't have to necessarily be stopped and start calling back and looking for support. We were expected to handle it. If we couldn't handle it, we had RDFOs and 81FOs to pile on. But the object was, in our thinking, we were always trained to quickly, quickly, quickly get your indirect and your machine gunners, because machine guns are, are, are the real killers anyway, to get those things in action and keep pressing fucking forward, because that's what we do. So it's we can no longer do that. The rifle company isn't big enough to do that. The rifle company commander doesn't have as, as many enablers that belong to him that we had. That's just crazy, man. That's crazy. Because then what the hell are we? We're, we're like... We're like rangers now without jump school and shit. I mean, I don't know. No, we're we're missileers, right? With with a lot of we're FOs with a lot of security. (sighs) Wow, that's a big side to me. Jeff, final thought. Oh man, I just uh, well, I'm left with uh, your question about you know how the general how General Berger could sell this and um um. I, I hope he doesn't do it successfully. <laughs> Although, you know, he's not selling to people who really know what they're looking at. You know? So it's like, uh, except us, you know, us and the Marines. You know, the Marines, uh, the, I'll tell you, the tankers didn't want to get divested. None of those arty guys want to get divested. And, and divested with no replacement. You know, it's just, we're just without shit now. You know what I'm saying? So if something happens now, we're worse off than we were in Korea in 1950, almost. Eight-year eight gap, but yeah, that doesn't yeah. even spawn a question from David Ignatius about you haven't got yeah. the invest How? part of this, and you've divested. How can you tell me right. sitting here today that you're still capable, you know, of any mission that the Secretary of Defense assigns you? Ignatius knows better, but he's servicing a narrative, just like Jeff was talking about last Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Right. It's like, uh, I remember, I remember, I'll tell you what, when we used to do ops in 1979, guys had the 3.5, 03, 351, and then you had the 03, you had the uh, 106, and they would shoot an M16 rifle with a blank inside of a 305 to simulate shooting it at a tank, you know? And, uh, and but there was, they could shoot those things a lot because they were cheap to shoot, you know? And then when we, we didn't get rid of them until we got the dragons and the toads. And that's what gets me about this. So what, aren't we supposed to get something to replace this shit? I mean, we're supposed to, how are we going to suppress the enemy when we're, we're lacking machine guns and we're lacking artillery by two thirds? How the fuck are we going to do this shit? Where's and my mortars? Want, and the mortars are like in the, in the arms room, like toys. No, that's a mission for a fucking the best lieutenant in the battalion or one of them to run that fucking little, you know, mini artillery, eight, eight tube artillery battery the battalion commander has. Now it's just bullshit. You know, it's like, it's terrible. Well, yeah, I, I would say that, um, you know, the only thing you can count on in the future is to be surprised, right? Uh, and, even this thing with with Ukraine and Russia, it's 
it's not amusing because it's serious business, but people that are drawing conclusions uh, from this or using it to to augment their narrative. Argument, yes. Yeah, for change are ridiculous. Um, and that, you know, whoever codified this idea of force and readiness, um, that's the only thing that you can rely on is that you don't know what's going to happen. So you better have part of the force that can do anything now. And if you don't have that, um, you know, are, are you going to be the fire brigade or are you going to be Task Force Smith? Right. How about if, how can, how about if we can do one thing now? Not anything. Well, bad guys will look at that thing and be ready for it. So and that again, means we're irrelevant? You can't. The one thing you can predict about the future is that you're going to be surprised. Mm -hmm. You know? So one thing you can predict about human beings, they're going to let you down. <laughs> right? The one thing you can predict about the future, you're going to be surprised. And the so, Lynn Wells memo. The Lynn Wells memo, man. I mean, it's 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 yeah. so it's the constant. Hey, let me tell you. After after 1945, Truman's guys savaged the services, yeah. and Korea Korea was, and those guys didn't even go to the boot camp, and they still kicked ass. We can't count on that. No, we can't count on it. But that's our only hope. All yeah. right. That type so, of shit, like some kind of. Oh, we don't. We don't want young. We don't want young men, Jeff. They're not. They're not optimized athletically. The middle, uh, middle twenty-year-olds. We want the older men. But I, they're, they're but I would better. say that, that when you see the narrative about any, and I'll tell you, anyone who testifies next year, justifying, you know, the action in Ukraine and Russia, to to you know further some sort of fundamental changes of, they're idiots, right? This you we have no idea what this thing is yet and what the conclusions are, and and you know just to bring up something that I think I've said three or four times, we actually don't know what the lessons are of the last twenty years. That's a damn Afghanistan. Good point. We don't have a pamphlet on that, and we're already fundamentally reorganizing. It's it just violates any historical understanding of conflict and human endeavor it, it's a complete violation of it so uh, is there a latin word for that is there a latin word for that well what for what again god is damn us well let me just tell you, you i go. i think it's going to be pretty riveting theater <laughs> though when when Semper, the Semper when the alumni association decides you know to do something that they've never done in, in their history which is get it on in public with the commandant uh i can guarantee you one thing it'll be pretty damn interesting to watch it and 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 general Berger's gonna have he's gonna get an onslaught he's gonna have to defend what what he's put forward and so much of what we've heard well you know these are classified war games he's gonna have to figure out a way to roll whether as jeff said an example of this is what we do and how we do it but you know if you look right. in the region we're gonna fight from the philippines we can't even get in the philippines Right? Will they right. let us in and, be, and become a target for China and, and their, their missileers? Will the Vietnamese allow that before the war starts? Can we fight our way in with every fucking drone, every fishing vessel targeting our littoral combat ships? Right? 
I mean, can you right. do that? So, so somebody's got to somebody's got to audition. This is how this thing works. This is why it works so well. This is why this is the future. This is what we we add to it. And oh, by the way, you better find somebody else for those other war plans because we're the fuck out of those boys. We don't we don't You're do right. that shit You're anymore. Right. You guys made me think about this whole thing about what do you say? You know, how do you do it? How do you what do you say? You look at General Lejeune led Marines to victory in World War One. Not only the Marines, but also soldiers in the division, second division, and he was commandant. General Vandegrift was the first victorious general the Marine Corps had in World War Two. He was commandant, and then uh, General Boomer led the Marines to victory in Desert Storm. And General Mundy was commandant. The supremacy of the bureaucrats have taken sure. over. It doesn't matter how how good you are, some fucking guy up there, you know, in the halls of uh, you know the, of uh, the, the mighty, where where no no commoner can break wind. Those are the fuckers who run things. That's a shame. Yeah, but we gave we gave General Mundy a hell of a burial. Though. That shit was cool. Yeah, that that's, yeah. that's that was cool. Yeah. I mean, he's a good guy. They're all he was, good oh, guys. he was a great guy. Yeah, they're yeah, all good guys, but that, uh, your point's well taken. They're not. No, the always the, the, guys the primacy of the bureaucrat. Wow, mm -hmm. you could write you could write out that, that one down. Well done, Jeffrey. All right, on that note, uh, we'll uh, we'll end this thing. And again, the only thing that that I know for sure is this is not the last time we're going to have this discussion. Um, you know. Be interesting to see who the next commandant is. That's going to have a lot to do with how this will be. Out. It'll be nice. interesting to see who writes the next letter. It'll be interesting to see Gen how General Berger defends it in in public in this very very um, in this intramural firefight that's going to take place. Uh, you know, among three and four star, you know, general officers who served long and 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 mildly in the Marine Corps, and so we're going to see we're going to see that which is which is unprecedented in Marine Corps history. So, on that note. Except I'll, I'll probably get fired next week, but anyway. that's all right. That's what you want, anyway. That's what you want. That way you could go back yeah, to Las yeah, Vegas yeah. and hang out with who's moving there. I could be everybody, Johnny. Bob Johnny, yeah, there you, go. there you go. There you go. So you, hey, you will, you I'll will, be, you will achieve what you want. You have your own game. Yeah, I'll be the, I'll be the fucking head instructor or the head lecturer at the Mob Museum. My, my, my dream job. My dream job. My dream job. All right. Thank you very much, guys. All right. Good night, Good night man. All right. That'll do it on a Wednesday. My thanks to Will, Tim, and Jeff for um, that discussion. And again, um, about the future of the Marine Corps. And um, unprecedented. So uh, we shall see what transpires, what comes to pass. Um, but in, a, in the most unprecedented event I've seen relative to general officer behavior, um, wow. So uh, my thanks to them for coming on and doing this. My thanks to you for listening, if you've hung around this long. Um, always interested in your thoughts. Uh, relative to this stuff and you can shoot an email to live.allmarineradio at gmail.com and that will find me yeah it will 
Um, I'm, I'm Mike McNamara. This is All Marine Radio. If I can help you help somebody, don't be afraid to reach out. I would be more than happy to. On that note, have a great Wednesday. We'll see you tomorrow. Out.